Good morning, church. Good morning. What a great day. I love being in worship and just love what our God is doing here. And welcome back to our 40-day challenge. After today, we only have two weeks left in this 40-day challenge. So if you're brand new, jump in and join us. And if you're on this journey with us, then hey, I hope you have a wristband. Got one right here. 40 days to live like Jesus. What does that look like? And the difference that it'll make in our lives is we put God first in every decision that we make. Now we started this series and we said the foundation of this series as we go back and look at Jesus. Jesus had a 40-day experience, right? After he was baptized, and we saw baptism this morning, after he was baptized, he was led by the Spirit, Matthew chapter 4, into the desert where he was tempted for 40 days and for 40 nights. And so during this time, we said temptation's not a sin. Temptation's an opportunity for us to choose to follow God, for us to use to trust God, and for us to grow deeper in our faith, for us to grow spiritual muscles. So we see that in this call of God in our lives and in this 40 days. Then we talked about faithfulness. Faithfulness. It says from that time on, right? It wasn't that, you know, Jesus had this experience and then that was it, that was done. It was from that time on. And for us, that these 40 days would be from that time on. We wouldn't be just kind of looking for what's the next series, let's get into the holidays, you know, Christmas is coming. It's for us to live our lives like Christ. For us to take these 40 days, behavioral scientists will tell you it takes 40 days to start a habit or 40 days to break a habit. So for us spending time with God each day, taking a daily step, studying His Word and praying, what a difference that'll make. Then the third week we looked at family. We said that, you know, to live like Jesus in our family. And that's sometimes the hardest place to live like Jesus in our marriage or with our roommates, with our kids. And then last week we talked about in our friends, right, to live like Christ. And so who are you surrounding yourself with? Are they helping you look more and more like Jesus? Are they helping you grow in your faith? We talked about being in a community group or mom to mom or if table or men's leadership, that you're surrounding yourselves with people because the Bible says, and we know this, right? If you hang out with the wise, you're going to be wise. If you hang out with people who aren't, you're, you're not. You're going to go a different direction. And so for us to make sure during this 40 days to evaluate, are we surrounding ourselves with people who are making us more like Christ? And then today we're talking about finances. Now, Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. And a lot of times we kind of shy away from it and we're like, oh, I don't know. But Jesus pressed into it. Why? Because he knew, he knew it was the chief competitor for our hearts. And so Jesus is like, I want you to get this. I want you to succeed in this. And Jesus, I'll tell you this, as your pastor, I want us to grow in this area. I want us to know Jesus and for us to experience financial freedom in all of our lives. And so I'm really glad you're here today. I promise you. If you're a teenager, if you're a young adult, if you're an older adult, for all of us, finance creates so much angst, right? I remember when Lisa and I first got married, it was one of our discussions right off the bat. You know, we were having this, we have a spender, we have a saver, we were in this relationship, we're like, okay. And so how do we do that well? I want, as a dad, to be able to teach my kids how to do this well. I don't want them having sleepless nights. I don't want them worried and anxiety. You know that marriage, problems in marriage, the number two cause of divorce is problems over money. So Jesus says, hey, I want you to get this, and I want you to succeed. And that's what I pray for us today. Hey, in this 40-day challenge, we're saying make it personal as well. So something that you're praying about, some area that you're growing in, that you're becoming more and more like Christ. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We left off last week in Matthew chapter 5. We just started into the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, the longest sermon that we have from Jesus, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where he's talking about the kingdom. You see the Beatitudes. You see the Lord's Prayer. He's pouring out. This is what the kingdom of heaven 
is like for us. And so number one, if you're taking notes today, number one is this. Align your finances to Jesus' teaching. Align your finances to Jesus' teaching. Our text for today is going to be Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. So pick up here in verse 19. Jesus talking here. If you've got red letter Bible, this is Jesus. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's Jesus talking, right? And here's what Jesus is saying. He's contrasting. He's contrasting this world and our culture with his kingdom. He's contrasting our culture with his kingdom. Now, our culture would say this, amass as much stuff as you can, right? I mean, and he's going, hey, do not store up for yourselves just treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But rather, there's the contrast, store up for your treasures in heaven. Store up treasures in heaven. And so when you and I look at this, we have to say, now, are we storing up treasures on the earth or are we storing up treasures in heaven? Are we living for our culture or are we living for the kingdom of God? Now, it's not, it's not wrong to be wealthy. I've got to tell you, you know, I mean, if you look in the Bible, there's some wealthy people who follow God. I mean, Abraham, David, Solomon, the wealthiest man that ever lived. Okay, that's a lot. You know, you have Joseph of Arimathea, you have Barnabas. You've got some wealthy people in here. Some of you, you have the gift of making money. Way to go. You see, I mean, that's great. Because the fact is this, money's not bad or good. Money can be used for bad. Money can be used for good. You can do a lot of good with money. Uh, when I was growing up, I went to college, I majored in finance, and my dad was in business, and I always thought, you know, I'm going to go. My kind of dream when I was in college was to be a Christian businessman. I wanted to go work on the New York Stock Exchange or Chicago Exchange. I wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to be a part of a church. I wanted to be very generous. I wanted to help out. I wanted to do missions and ministry. I thought that was my plan. I thought that's what God had for me. And God obviously called me into ministry, you know, but it was different. But I have so much respect for so many of you who do that right and do that well. But God's also saying to us that it's so easy for us to fall into the trap and to move over and we become the culture takes over in our lives. That all of a sudden money then begins to rule our lives. And in our lives it's more and it's more and it's more. And God's going, listen, I want you to have a healthy balance of this. I want you to keep my kingdom first. So how do we do that? Because especially where we live, right? I mean, we are blessed. How do we not fall prey to the culture and just make it about money? Well, I think the Bible is so clear. And here's a great principle. If you're taking notes today, write this down. I don't care if you make, you know, 20 bucks a week. And I don't care if you make 200000 Listen, write this down. Here it is. 101080. 10-10-80. This will transform your life, right? I'm teaching my girls. I pray. I want them to know this. I want them to live this. Here it is. First 10% you give. First 10% you give. The next 10% you save. Then you live on 80%. You live below your means. It is biblical. It is transformational. It's unbelievable. And so here we want to see this. First 10% you give. Now let's go all the way back to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus, all right? So right toward the, the beginning of the Bible here, you got Leviticus. Now the children of Israel... They've been slaves. They've been slaves in Egypt, okay? And when you're a slave, you have 
nothing, right? Because you're a slave. So they're a slave in Egypt. They've got nothing. They've got no help. They've got no hope. They call out to God for a deliverer, and God answers. He sends Moses, right? It's a parallel story for us. We were dead in our sins and our transgressions until we were made alive by a deliverer, Jesus Christ, right? So God takes them, delivers them, and he's taken them across the desert, and he's taken them into the promised land. Now, in the promised land is this unbelievable, what God has prepared for them. Land flowing with milk and honey. He's given them houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant. He is blessing them. But before they enter into the land, God meets them in the desert at Mount Sinai and says, Hey guys, before you go in there, I want you to know how to live. I don't want you to go in there and fall prey to the culture and let the culture become your God. I want you to live for my name and for my glory. I want you to get this. And so he gives them, what, the Ten Commandments. He gives them other laws. And then you come here toward the end of Leviticus. And he says in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, he says a tithe. <laughs> now a tithe literally means 10%. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is, that word holy, the word holy literally means set apart. It is holy to the Lord. If a man redeems any of his tithe, he must add a fifth of the value to it. The entire tithe of the herd and the flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. So he's saying, when you come into land and I give you sheep and I give you livestock, these people have been slaves. These people are living in a desert. And I'm sure they're going, you're going to give us cows? And sheep and goats, I mean, they couldn't even believe it. I mean, we've all been blessed, right? I mean, we, we would have never dreamed God would give us so much. But he goes, yeah, when you have all of this, put a rod out. And every sheep or every goat, everything that passes under, the tenth one is reserved for me. The tenth one you pull out for me. <laughs> he must not pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If he does make a substitution, <laughs> both the animal and his substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. He's going, you know, don't put the ugly one as the tenth animal. You know, don't put the sickly one as the tenth animal. You know, so you're giving me the leftovers. He goes, come on, guys, seriously. I mean, you didn't have anything. I'm giving you everything. It's a pretty good deal, right? You give 10% back to me, you keep 90%. That's a great deal, you know. Hey, we're all for that. These are the commands the Lord gave Moses on Mount Sinai for the Israelites. But what happened? What happened? I mean, these people who didn't have anything go into the land. God gives them all of this. And what do they do? I want more. I want more. I want more. And even though God blesses them, they become as a nation wealthy. But it was never enough. And so God starts sending prophets and going, guys, remember? Keep me first. Live for my kingdom. Don't forget where you got all of this. Don't forget how I've blessed you. God sent a prophet Malachi in Malachi chapter 3. Here's what the prophet said. I, the Lord, do not change. Yeah. Uh, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Now, that's pretty awesome right there. I got to tell you right there. Because many of us, you know, we've made mistakes financially in our past, right? I mean, for all of us, we haven't done everything perfect. I mean, I have it right here, you know. But we look at that. There's maybe consequences that you're living with even today. But here's the great news of God. Return to me, God says, and I will return to you. 
We can have a new start. We can have a new beginning. We can put a stake in the ground today. God can redeem and restore. God's just saying, trust me. Trust me. He keeps going. He says, you know, how do we return to you? But you will ask, how do we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. (laughs) But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. Tithe is giving the first 10% back and offering is over and above that. When you see a need, you meet that need in the name of Christ. He says, listen, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. The only place in scripture where God says test me, only place is in relation to money. Only place. Test me in this, and I love this part, right? And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. He's like, guys, you can't outgive me. Trust me. Everything you have comes from me. Check it out. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. He goes, remember who's in control? <laughs> you remember this? I mean, you can't control what happens around you. I can. Listen, trust me. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, a lot of people, they look at that and they go, well, yeah, that's the Old Testament, though, right? I mean, that's a law in the Old Testament. Well, so is don't steal and don't kill, don't commit adultery. But anyway, let's look at the New Testament, okay? Let's look at what Jesus says. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, the religious leaders. He says, you hypocrites, exclamation point. He says, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. These guys were so precise. They would take their spices and they would tithe on their spices. So they would be like, you know, okay, here's a little mint. I'm going to give that to God. I mean, you know, this first 10% goes to God. I mean, these guys, if they found a dime, they're going to give a penny, right? If they found a dollar, they're going to give a dime. If they get a bonus and they sell a house, whatever it is, they are tithing 10%. But... He says, you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He goes, guys, you've become legalistic in it. You've forgotten that my heartbeat is for people. So, So give, yes, but also love. See needs and meet those. And then notice what he says here. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Notice that. He says, guys, it's good that you tithe. It's good that you do that. But also have a heart of generosity, have a heart of love, have a heart of grace. You see, he teaches this. Jesus wants us to know this. Why? Because if we don't give, what happens? We become just consumers and not contributors. And in our lives, it becomes about us. And so God says, the first 10% you give, you're like me. You become generous. You start to see needs and you meet them. Something happens in your life. Money doesn't become your God. And I believe God wants all of us to get this. It's, it's genius, isn't it? I mean, he goes all the way back to Leviticus and he makes an allowance. It doesn't matter how much you make. So many times we think it's about how much we make. No, he's going, no, no, it doesn't matter. It's just 10%. You make $20,000 a year, it's 2000 You make, you know... $200,000 a year, it's $20,000. It's like, you know, it's just so simple. And God's going, I want my kingdom to be furthered. And so I'm going to bless my people. They give back 10% and God's kingdom grows. You know, a lot of times we'll go to hospitals or we'll go to schools or universities. We're like, wow, it took a lot of money to do this. And we'll come to church and we're like, 
man, it just happened. You know? And God's going, no, I've empowered my people. I've blessed my people. And my people are generous. And it just, they would give back. And we want nice places for our kids. We want, you know, heating and air. We want all this. And God's going, I've made allowance for you to do ministry and missions through my people. And our lives are changed. It's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Lisa and I, we get so excited because the first 10% we get to give to God. And we do. We don't even wait till the end of the month because we know there's not going to be any leftovers at the end of the month if we wait to that. We just go first 10%. God, you're it. We trust you in that. So here's the thing. 10, 10, 80. First 10% goes to God. Next 10% you save. You save. Now this is radical because our culture doesn't save, right? Our culture doesn't. Our culture is like spend to the max. But if you and I learned this, we would be so far ahead of the game. You know, 10% you save, and whether it's retirement or college fund or emergency fund, if you do Financial Peace University, it talks about having an emergency fund. But somehow you do that. You look at statistics. You even look at statistics for professional athletes. I mean, 70 to 80%, even higher in some sports, of professional athletes are broke or in financial crisis three to five years after being in the sport. And you're thinking, how in the world they make millions? It's not about the money. It doesn't matter how much you make. It's a principle. It's a principle, and the principle works every time. I don't care if you're my daughter who gets a dollar a week for her allowance, and she gives a dime first, and she saves 10 cents. You know, I mean, it is a principle in your life. First 10%, you give. The second 10%, you save. And then you live on 80%. Now, this is so countercultural. This is so not our culture. But what a difference it will make. I want you to see our culture. Here's, here's how our culture thinks. Watch this. Oh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. <laughs> now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? No. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> the advice is priceless, and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> so get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously, 
If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. Are you done that just sum up our culture, though? I mean, that's just spot on. And we're all kind of like, uh, yeah, but the thing is this. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even know. Right? I mean, people we don't even know because the people we know are going to love us regardless. I mean, the people we know and our family and our friends, they're going to love us, you know. It doesn't matter what kind of car we drive. They're always going to love us. The church is going to love us. People are going to love us, you know. But we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even know. And next thing you know, it's like we're swimming in it. And God's going, no, don't live that way. There is a better way. Trust me in this. Why? Because God says, what? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you have to look at her life, and I have to look at my life and say, is my heart going after the culture, or is my heart for God? And am I willing to make sacrifices and make differences in my life so that I can live my life for him? Here's the second thing. Oh, this is so good. It, number, th- number two, if you're taking notes. Invest in the eternal and not just the temporary. Invest in the eternal and not just the temporary. Look at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body, Jesus says. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now a lot of times you look at that and you're like, uh, I don't get it. It kind of looks like it's out of place. But it's not. Think about this. You remember the old saying, a lot of people attribute it to Shakespeare, but we're not sure. The eyes are the windows to the soul. You heard that saying? You know what I'm talking about? The eyes are the windows to the soul. Jesus said that a long time ago, okay? Jesus said, listen, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. And he says your eyes are good. That word in the Greek literally means generous. If your eyes are generous. And so what he's saying essentially is this. Where is your focus? Where is your focus? Now, guys, we know this. Guys, we are visually stimulated, you know? You can see a woman walk by, it's like that first look. And that first look's not a sin, but it's when you stare, when you start to think, when you let your mind go there. But the same thing happens with materialism. You know, lust means I must have it now. I must have it now. And so if we spend all our time looking in the Pottery Barn catalog, and that's all that's going on in our minds, and it's going right into our souls, and we're going, i got to upgrade. I mean, look at this house. I mean, how am I ever going to survive here? And I've got to get this and this and that. It just becomes part of us. And so he says, be careful what you watch. Be careful what you look at. Be careful what you stare at. Be careful what you daydream, what you imagine. Is it culture or is it kingdom? What is going into your eyes and into your soul? Do you get that? Here's what it says in 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, right? I got to have more. I got to have more. I got to have this. I got to have that. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, I must have it now. I got to have it now, you know? And the boasting of what he has and does, right? My worth and my value is more attached to the stuff or to the car I drive or the things I have than it is to God and who God says I am, a son or daughter of the king. The boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. <laughs> He's like, guys, get this. I want you to know this. I want you to succeed in this. 
You know, Jesus taught, I said, about money more than anything else. And he told a lot of stories about the kingdom of heaven. And here's one in Matthew chapter 25. This is Jesus. Again, that's the kingdom of heaven. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Now think about that. I mean, what's he saying? He's like, God's entrusted you. God's given you this. He's entrusted this to you. To one of them, he gave five talents of money, of money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent. Each according to his ability. So we all don't have the same amount of money, right? Everybody's got a different amount, but it's each according to his ability. It's your responsibility to do what, what God has given you. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. I've invested in your kingdom. I've built your kingdom. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant! Exclamation point. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was, what's that word? Afraid. Afraid. Not faith. Afraid, So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Wow, that's strong, right? You're lazy. You, you haven't even taken account of what you have. You haven't taken the time to do a budget and put things together. So you know that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So then when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And a lot of times, man, I read that and I just think, wow, maybe, maybe we don't have more because we're not faithful with what we have. And a lot of times we think the answer is always, man, just more, 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 more. And God's going, no, no, no. The answer is for you to be faithful with what I've given you. Trust me. Don't live in fear. Live in faith. Trust me. I care about you. I want you to succeed. I don't want you to have stress and struggles and stay up late at night and worried and arguments and fights. I want you to have success in this area. Don't invest in just what's temporary. Focus on the kingdom. Make a difference. Here's number three. Number three. Make God the Lord of your life and serve Him. Oh, look at verse 24. Here's how Jesus kind of ends this section. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He says, guys, listen, you can't do it. You, you got to make a choice. You got to make a choice. Who are you living for? <laughs> You've got to make a choice. Is it going to be God or is it going to be money? And so we have to ask ourselves this question, right? 
Do I control money or does money control me? Do I control money or does money control me? If you think about that in your life, if you were to take the time to look through your bank statement, your credit card statement, your calendar, what would it say? What would it say about who you serve? What would it say about who I serve? You know, you look at that and you go, oh, it's so easy for us to fall into culture. It's so easy for us to say, hey, this becomes the priority. And God's going, no, 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 listen, there is more. There's a bigger picture here. There's a bigger story here. And I care about you. And I want you to know this and I want you to get this. So often I hear people and they want to get involved and they want to serve and they want to give. And they're like, man, I want to go on a mission trip, but, but I just can't. I can't, you know, I'm a slave to debt. I've got this debt. I've got this, this, this. And in your life and in my life, I think God's just saying, I want you to have that freedom. So that when I call or prompt your heart and to go to serve or to sponsor a kid or to help out in this crisis, that you can. God goes, so you can give back. And it takes us starting and just saying, okay, God, I trust you in this. I don't want to live a life of fear. I want to live a life of faith. Uh, for Lisa and I, this is an area we, we've been trying to grow in our own life, right? You know, I mean, this is an area we've been working in and just trying to, to learn and grow. And it's so important for us. And so the first thing we do is we get back to God. The second thing we do, you know, we give over and above. So we've been doing next steps to help. We've got a new preschool area, and we want to do that. We sponsor a kid through JMI Justice and Mercy International. But, but for all of it, we still have arguments, we have discussions, right, over money. It's still something that all of us have to deal with. And God's going, I want you to have freedom here, and I want you to trust me, and I want you to do this right. One day, Jesus was with his disciples, and they were at the temple. And, and they're sitting there, and they're watching people give their money. This is over in Luke chapter 21. And in Luke chapter 21, it says, As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor, poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. <laughs> He's like, man, she, she trusted. She trusted. And in your life, man, is it a life of fear or is it a life of faith? One day Jesus was teaching and this rich young ruler came up to Jesus. You know, you can picture him walking up. He's got his coal hogs on. He's got a sport coat. You know, he's coming up. He's successful. He's wealthy. He's made a lot of money. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. But you know what's missing in his life? I mean, here's a guy who's been living for the culture, living for the things of this world, and he knows there's something missing. There's something empty. I've made a lot of money. I'm successful. But there's something missing. Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, we'll keep the commandments. And the guy goes, well, I have. I haven't killed anybody, you know, and I haven't stolen anything. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't keeping those commandments. And Jesus goes, okay, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And at this, the man's face fell, Scripture says. And he walked away sad. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. But Jesus didn't go, hey, just kidding. Come on back. How about 2%? How about just give a tip to God? You know, hey, come on, come on. That's all right. No big deal. You know, it said, you just let him walk away. And I'm not saying Jesus had to come today and saying, hey, for all of us, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. But if he did, could you? 
could I? You see, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For most of us, we're like, 10%, that's a great deal. You know, <laughs> I get 90% to 10%, I'm all for that, you know. And that's what I think Jesus comes to us and says, hey, where's your trust? Where's your faith? If I prompt your heart to give, or I prompt your heart to see a need, if I prompt your heart, are you willing? Or will you say, no, 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 I can't, God. There's a guy in our church, man, I love this guy, and, and God's just been doing amazing things in his life. And last summer, he went on his first international mission trip, went with us to Moldova. And he went there, you know, he started working with orphans here, in the, you know, right by the Ukraine and Romania, and working in the orphanages. And then his wife went back over Christmas, and then he went back again this summer. And here's what he posted two weeks ago. He just said this. He said, now here's the transformation that's happened in my life. Since returning to Nashville, I've gotten back into the hustle and bustle of what we call life. It's been two months since my trip, and I was fully emerged in life. I'd actually even sold some stuff and was ready to buy me a present, an Xbox One. <laughs> he said, I heard the new Madden game was great, and with all the Dallas Cowboy injuries, I figured I needed it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Probably. So he said, so last night I went to purchase this gift for myself, and I ended up delayed and I didn't get it. This morning I received an email from Katia. Now Katia is a girl that he sponsors through JMI, one of the orphans. And he said, I'd emailed Katia and I'd asked about her friend Nicoletta. I remember seeing Nicoletta last summer. She had a pink dress on and she was really pretty. She wore the dress every day that we were there. But I thought maybe she had okay money because she was wearing a dress but this year I remember seeing her in that exact same pink dress although it was smaller and tighter so I wrote Katya and just asked her about Nicoletta and here's what Katya wrote me quote Nicoletta is from a very poor family she is in the daycare center in the Carpenian orphanage for vulnerable kids from the Carpenian village she eats there and does her lessons he said I realized that I could sponsor her for a year for the price of the Xbox now, I don't have a lot of money to do this. As you can see, I had to sell some things to purchase the gift myself. But I just knew that God would provide for me so that I could provide for Nicoletta and Katia. I think I needed this email to bring me back to what's really important in life. And while I won't be playing Madden anytime soon, I believe I'll receive a much better gift by supporting these two great girls. Though now I've been to Moldova twice and I have two new daughters, my wife may not let me go back this summer. <laughs> But then he adds this. He says, please don't think I'm preaching here or that I'm some great person for doing this. I'm not. I have wasted 43 years of my life doing what I wanted. And I'm just trying to tell you that you can make a huge difference in somebody else's life. Wow. That just nailed me when he said, man, I've wasted 43 years of my life doing what I wanted. And you can make a huge difference. And church, I believe it's for all of us, right? You know, we have to look at our lives. We have to talk about it. Am I buying into the culture or am I buying into the kingdom? What do I value most? And it's an area that we grow in. Oh, it's an area that we're growing in. And we're, none of us are perfect. But in your life and in your heart, can you say, God, I want to trust you. I don't want to live in fear. I want to live in faith. I want to make a difference with what I've been given. God, you've blessed me. You see, here's the fact, here's the fact. You can't outgive God, right? I mean, you can't. God just, he continues to bless us. I mean, many of us, our toughest decision today is where we're going to eat. You know, many times we look in our closet and we can't even figure out what clothes to wear because we have so many choices. You can't outgive God because God is a giver. Give. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. 
And what did God give? He gave what's most precious to him. And any parent here will tell you what's most precious, his child. God gave his one and only son for you, for you. That when you were dead in your sins and your transgressions, when you were a slave to sin living over there, that God sent Jesus for you. It starts with your relationship. And when you and I give our hearts to Christ and we just say, God, make me more like Jesus. Help me to be generous and kind and to trust you. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're here, man, just financially, you're just, things are out of control. And maybe you're scared, maybe you're worried, maybe you're afraid. I just want to tell you, there's a God who will meet you in that. Maybe in your marriage, there's financial problems. And you just need help, and you need hope. Maybe today, man, you just realize you've been blessed, and you've been living your life for yourself. And today, God's just saying, get a bigger vision. Trust me. So, Father, here we are, your disciples today. God, just like your people of old, we face the same challenges, moving into this culture and falling in love with the culture. But today, I pray, oh, Father, that you would lift our heads and lift our eyes to see you. God, I pray that you would prompt our hearts not to live in fear, but to live in faith, to live for your kingdom. God, with the days that we have here on this earth, to make a difference. God, we need you. Please come. Father, I pray for anybody here right now today who's going through a crisis in their lives. I pray, God, you would meet them. I pray, God, that they would understand it's not about more, more, more. God, that they would understand it's about faith in you. God, as your word says, we've never seen the righteous forsaken. You are with us. And I pray, Father, for all of us that we'd be proactive in this area, God, that we would we would use what we've been given for your name, that we would be found faithful with what's been entrusted to us. God, this is an area that we can do right and well. We long to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So speak to us right now, Father. And God, in this 40-day challenge, give us the courage to do what is right. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. After this service, I'll be here. There'll be people on our staff, our pastoral care team to talk with you, church. Love whatever's going on in your life. Just know this. God's for you. You have church that's for you. You're not alone. At this time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back to God. If you're a first-time guest, all we ask is that you would give us your communication card and we could follow up with you, tell you what God's doing here. On the back is a place for prayer requests. Write down, if you have prayer requests, that's, man, starts there, right? praying and just asking God to be with us and lead us and guide us. So Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you, God, that you show us how to live if we will just trust you. And God, thank you for all you do. God, as these baskets come by, help us to think that it's not just about money, God. It's really placing our heart, our heart in here to trust you. So today, God, we give back our lives to you. We give our all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.